Hello and welcome to your new improved weekly dose of the latest sustainability fun news, facts and reviews brought to you by the Green Elephant. This week, world leaders complete landmark climate summit, but will it help the planet? People suffer as India has massive COVID surge. Profits first for already super rich football. And we have a celebrity listener. Uh, joining me to discuss these and more as usual is Russell. Morning, Russell. Um, morning, Mike. Um, Mike, the celebrity listener isn't a footballer, is it? Because what I'm about to say won't be good. Mm, it's not, but um, you, you'll have to wait till later to find out who it is. Yeah, I know you've been keeping it a secret. Yeah, yeah. And um, Also coming up, we have an interview with Tent Share, uh, the Airbnb for tents, Fact or Fake, and Play Your Carbon Right. Uh, we'll also be talking about Logitech, Twitter, MI6, Americans Renewables, science-based targets, washing, hydrogen, air fresheners, liquid air, and candles. So this week, uh, world leaders completed their landmark online summit. And this was a very large uh, climate summit uh, led by the Americans and Joe Biden uh, and a kind of a precursor to the uh, COP26 coming up in November this year. And uh, one of the first highlights, Russell, was our friend Bolsonaro um, as a sudden pledge to protect the Amazon. Um, so he turns up at the, the, the climate summit and says, um, yeah, it's OK, guys, um, we're going to got it covered. We're, we've got it covered. Um, um, <clears throat> we're going to um, uh, protect the Amazon. And unsurprisingly, um, they, they all gave him a hug and said, thanks, Bolsonaro, for coming in line at last. Thank you. We believe you. That's no. Unsurprisingly, people said, well, if we help you and give you some money, is the Amazon really going to be protected? Because given your track record, we're not really sure that um, uh, that's uh, what you're going to do. So they're talking about giving him $20 billion um, to help out and to um, fight deforestation. Um, But uh, yeah, it it doesn't really seem that... um, anybody believes uh, uh, those well understandably i mean it, it, it presumably he's starting to be hit in the pocket and so yeah. he suddenly realized that he, he needs to do something but he's, he's immediately come up and said yeah i've been hit in the pocket so if you give me 20 billion well, <laughs> i think 20 billion was what was offered by biden wasn't yeah, it to, and I, to and get I think them... <laughs> the other thing is that um that, that Bolsonaro has recently completed his, year, his yearly budget in Brazil. And the level of funding for his environmental agencies is the lowest level it's been for two decades. So he's put in a budget that says, we're gonna give our environmental people even less. Um, but if you wanna give us some money to protect the Amazon, that's fine, we'll, um, we'll um, yeah. And he says he's gonna protect it from illegal loggers and, and not from loggers that Legal-loggers. he's um, kind of approved and, and, and happy with. And um, I bet those legal ones have to pay a license fee. They probably do, yeah. yeah. Um, in other highlights from the summit, Biden has committed to a 52% greenhouse gas emissions reduction by 2030. Yeah. So that is a significant increase in the uh, US uh, commitment. commitment. Yeah. Um, that, you have to say, in 100 days, I mean, he's still in his 100 yeah. days, isn't he? He, oh, I think he's just outside. He's just gone through he's it. Just come out. So he, he's managed to get a world summit on climate and yep. committed some serious things. And, you know, he, he has done quite well. I don't, We said we'd have a quick review of what he'd done in yeah. the first 100 days, didn't we? We yeah. need to have and a look at that. I think he's um, obviously he sent uh, 
John Kerry, his climate envoy, around the world speaking to people and the Chinese and got them to, and we'll come on to this in a second, to you know think about uh, their commitments. Um, yeah. He's appointed people into every role in the government to look at climate. So every department has somebody dealing with climate. And so I think, you know, given where he started from after the Trump administration, you've got to applaud, you know, what he's doing. I guess the the challenge will come as he tries to get these commitments and laws through through Congress in the coming months. Um, yeah, and, and you know, it's worth saying it's they're not the only one. Europe has committed to it. Yeah. Um, Merkel thanked uh, Biden for for getting this thing off the ground and, and obviously shaking the tree and, and getting back into into the climate change bed if there is such a thing yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, i think japan has done something about 46 percent below 2013 levels which isn't as good as below the 2005 levels as i understand it no. and uh, and and canada have done 40 to 45 percent by 2030 on yeah. 2005 figures so it's um everyone everyone seems to have stepped up except for um, china who yeah. um whose pledges um they repeated well, in the summit that says we're going to we're going to get to net zero by 2060 he reiterated and peak carbon at um uh 2030 and you know his commitment was he was going to limit uh increasing coal consumption in the next five years and phase it down during the following five years so you know that's that's hardly um i guess world changing is it um really and i guess the other country which we're going to come on to in a second is india who again didn't yeah. make any significant commitments so um uh, so good 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 progress in some areas but um we've got a balance really because what what we've got is the western or the developed world i don't never know what to call it nowadays mm. or developed countries the g7s the g20s probably yeah group that that are that are starting to step up and and treat this as the true crisis it is and and then you've got the chinese who are developing and obviously yep. very rich but strangely deemed as an, as a developing country instead of a developed country which i kind of don't quite understand uh, and they uh, but the one thing about the chinese is they they do when they say they're going to do something they do follow through and they so do, yeah. his his promises for 2030 might be realistic or and they will be delivered absolutely is could he go faster could he go harder could he go deeper and then if he can then you know what about the rest of us yeah, yeah. well at the same time the uh, climate summit was happening uh, as we said last week greta thunberg was uh, speaking to us congress and i i, I like one of the lines she that the, the greta came out with um uh, uh, she told them and um, i don't believe for a second that you will actually do this uh, yeah. when she was talking about their um, their um, ending of uh, fossil fuel subsidies or, or or changing emissions so i um, i also the one thing she picked up on is how do i how do i hurt these politicians and you you can't hurt them in the pocket and obviously telling them the planet is is boiling is not helping yeah. and that people are dying isn't helping and so she ended up saying the younger generation that are not going to give up on this i think she said earlier are the ones that are going to write in the history books about you and yeah. 
And we're going to be the ones deciding on whether your contribution to our future was a good one or a bad one. So bear that in mind. And I thought, wow, hit them in the reputation, long term legacy reputational. Yeah. And I've never heard anybody do that before. I'm going to write a crappy story about you. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if it worked or not, but I, yeah. I liked it. It was good. So, yeah. So out, out of that summit, I think um, it, it was a mixed bag, really some good stuff and some some not so good stuff. I think it was a, a, a mix. But uh, yeah, let, let's take the positives from it and say that, you know, at least there are some new commitments. And um, and that's got and to be a good thing. Uh, that's two big climate summits in a year. I mean, uh, yeah. and plus the G7 that we got coming up in the middle of the year, which will be undoubtedly. It will be talking about sustainability yeah yeah yeah. they'll also be talking about covid and uh this week one of the other big news stories was uh the huge surge in covid cases in india which is just just really really sad to see but i guess one of the um you know when you're talking about sustainability and 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 people and you know uh, how to make the world better for people this certainly isn't doing it and the indian um, approach of you know having religious festivals of not really locking down in the way that other countries have has had some quite disastrous results really um, and I guess one of the really worrying things is the uh, mutation of the virus given that it's, it's spread so far and wide and fast in India yeah um, there are uh, lots of new variations and I guess there's even more that we don't know about because they don't have the testing and the analysis that you know is available elsewhere um but uh, reports are saying that there's new um uh, variants that are more airborne they're more contagious and that they are reinfecting those people that have already had covid and those that have been vaccinated so that is a really worrying um uh, development yes and i it, it's it's difficult. We're sitting in a country um, where where the vaccination program has um, been rolled out at speed. Mm. I mean, I think only Israel have done it um, faster and more thoroughly yeah. than in the UK. And so we're in a very privileged situation. We have been, I do feel a little bit that we might have been guinea pigs and tested on. But luckily, that <laughs> test has worked out. It's worked out that it's cut transmissions and it's cut. You started so, to grow whiskers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, I definitely grow whiskers, that's for sure. And and looking at looking, I was just looking at the table relating to the deaths per one million of the population. We mm. were very high, yeah, very yeah. high, um, a few months ago, and now we're at number thirteen. Um, Italy and Slovenia and Belgium, um, and all, and and of course India is definitely on a a plummeting um to to the top of that table plummet can you plummet to the top of a table I'm not well sure. i guess you can uh, i guess for me it was it just highlighted some of the um divides and inequalities in society yes uh, differences between people you know you've got the those wealthy people with money who are able to you know isolate themselves behind their lock gates or they're able to pay for the best hospitals and then you have those that are you know lower down in the caste system in india or you know have no money and they are just you know on the streets not able to get health care or yeah. hospitals and there so there's a whole cultural thing in india that's not helping and um you know in terms of what other countries are doing it's great that us uk others are saying here's some 
ventilators here's some oxygen but i saw yeah. some numbers that said we're sending 600 ventilators uh, well that's feels to me very much like a gesture and not really um on the basis that they got at the moment reported and heavens knows how good their testing is just shy of three million active cases yeah yeah <laughs> just so 600 uh, isn't going to make much of a dent and yeah with a and, nine nine thousand people in critical yeah and it, always, it seems to be like it's, it's profit before people and this is absolutely you know, you know not what you know, a sustainable society or sustainable approach is about. It's about, um, you know, putting the people first. And, you know, you hear discussions of, between the drug companies and the governments around whether they should release the IP and who should be allowed to make the drugs and where they should be allowed to make them and stuff. And this is, you know, it's a global emergency. Give the IP yeah. away and let everybody make as much as they can. I don't, this profit-centered thing is just... I mean, it, right. India got the workforce, and they've, yeah. they, you know, definitely could get moved to manufacture if they had the IP. And I think this gets to the heart of sustainability, doesn't it? If you're not going to put the people first in an emergency like this, when are you going to? And and I think the other aspect of of people is that the people are people, whichever country they're in, but mm. there is such a specific national divide. And again. On this case, I would say the UK was very clever and put its orders in before there was any provable um, vaccinations from any of these companies. And for that reason, Europe have threw their toys out the pram, kind of understandably, because there was stuff being made in Europe and shipped to the UK. Yeah, because we put our order in first. And that's that's OK. I get it. And it's very good commercial. You know, we do our orders yeah, you know, yeah. we've got a backlog. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's a bit different if you're selling, ooh, I don't know, tents. <laughs> and you're going, yeah. tying into our conversation later. Yeah, yeah. Um, somewhat different when you're dealing with life-saving vaccines. It, it's, um, it, we're, we're not working as a world community. We're working, no. still working as countries. Yeah. And, and it's wrong. Yeah, it is. Um, somewhere else where profits are immoral, really, is in football. And plan, a big news story this week was that oh. plans for a new European Super League have failed. Now, I know, Russell, that you're not really um, into football. Um, but, but for yeah, those that are, and there are millions and millions around the world there who are. are passionate about football and football is their life, it's, you know, I just have to question, is it a game for the people anymore if you've got a dozen billionaires trying to change the game and essentially putting profits before the fans? You know, they're trying to change the way that football works in Europe for their own profit and to guarantee them future profits, essentially guaranteeing that they won't get relegated move down to the lower leagues in future no. and i just i guess i have to question when other sports are trying to go green if you look at f1 they've got the new they've got the um uh, the formula e which is you know all electric power cars they've got the i forget it what it's called it's the desert racing one where they've got four by fours using hydrogen powered cars and um, oh the paris dakar one yeah, well, yeah, and they're all they're all they're all transferring all the cars by yeah. by ship, and it's all very much about you know raising environmental issues and trying to do best better. And other sports are doing the same. 
yeah. you have football here saying, well, we're just going to increase hugely the number of flights that these teams are taking around Europe every week. Yeah. Not just every month, we're going to fly around Europe every week. And, and at the same time, we're going to, instead of playing these players half a million pounds a week, we're going to increase their wages. Um, yeah, because it's, just, it's such a reasonable wage rise, isn't it? Of course it is, yeah. Um, but it was interesting I, what the UK government came out with, um, saying that we're not going to allow this to, to happen. And um, I guess the, the, the thing that, the, the question for me was, you know, what, what role, you know, government have stepped in this one because football is doing something that upsets millions of fans. But, but what role should government play in, you know, legislating for industries that are, promoting pollution, promoting inequality and, and doing all these bad things. You know, at what point are governments obliged to step in and say, no, you shouldn't be doing that? Yeah, it. I mean, it, there's there's something that's been done recently where where uh, there has to be a declaration of the highest earners, especially in, in, in public bodies. So the BBC suffered badly with their talent, didn't they? Suddenly had to declare all the people they were paying and I, I do think where there is where, where there's any form of government involvement probably declaring salaries of people but I think probably better so is these football clubs should be made to declare their CO2 impact they, yep. or, or their climate impact uh, of each of their players and so you can look at your player and say yeah, yeah, yeah. Made half a million pound a year and they've got this 14,000 square foot house which they don't occupy because it just sits there but it's all right they've got six staff running it and and yeah, yeah. and just to say these people are a waste and I, the, the one thing that really got me and you know getting aside from and money has always been my problem in with football i mean as a game it's you know it's a good game um as as what it is now the beautiful game as it's lovingly called it there's a, there was a sign held up at the emirates stadium which said created by the poor stolen by the rich <laughs> and it, and that's that's really I mean that really yeah. does it is that this was a local club game the whole thing the, the you know you had a derby when you were fighting with a another or playing against another team in your locale but yeah. really they they didn't travel far now you've got the Premier League has to travel all over the country then you go European Manchester League, traveling to Europe, Barcelona and, and yeah it's just bonkers it the amount of travel is now whereas and and I love the fact they call them British clubs, which are owned by Americans and predominantly got foreign non-British. And I'm not nothing against foreign players, obviously, but non-British people playing yeah. in British clubs, and they still call them British, even though they're not. And so yeah. uh, I could wax lyrical on this one. Uh, absolutely, but I think you know when you know when we when you see the reporting of these stories, they you know they they focus on the football and actually. It's not sustainable to put no. profits in that way before the good of people and society. So, um, yeah, not a good week for football, let's say. Let's move on to some other uh, quick news stories and uh, talking about um, international and what happens elsewhere. MI6 is green spying on the world's biggest polluters to see if carbon commitments are being met. Now, I can imagine James Bond infiltrating some 
<laughs> some foreign countries say, yeah, but you said that was your SDG number 11 and you haven't done it this year. <laughs> I'm taking um, you down. Yeah. And and um, there was an interview with uh, the, the person known as C at MI6 saying that, that um, green spying is part of his uh, work because um, uh, climate and climate emissions and commitments are the foremost international foreign policy agenda item for this country and for the planet. And so it was, uh, I think, in, it was good to see that uh, even within the bowels of MI6, that climate is getting the focus it should have. Yeah, interesting. And, and carrying on with that, you know, uh, focus of climate, uh, mm. there's been a research done by, the, by Yale Yep. Um, and they've uh, done a survey across all 50 states in America uh, and asked people if they believe the statement global warming is mostly caused by human activities. Now, uh, good news is that 57 percent of Americans said they were in agreement and that is an increase. So opinion is changing. However, only 43 percent of Americans believe that climate change will harm them so they believe it's happening but hey it'll just make it sunny it'll be fine we'll be warmer and that'll be great because we're in wisconsin and not california um so yeah more troubling only two states california and hawaii had a majority of residents who believe they will be affected as the planet continues to warm funnily enough because of probably raising um water levels so um, so an interesting one now from um a lifelong environmental activist called Michael Schellenberger, who, who you may not have heard of, but he was I, Time magazine hero of the environment. Um, and he's okay. worked with investors and he worked with the Obama administration. Um, and uh, he has um, been uh, speaking uh, this week saying that um, he doesn't believe that renewables like solar and winds are the uh, solution and in fact he believes that they are detrimental to the environment and there's a uh, there's a TED talk uh, we'll link this in the show notes where he explains his position and why he has gone uh, more towards uh, the nuclear um, uh, direction Ooh. and I think it's it's good to keep an open mind because there are there are others there's a guy called Jordan Peterson who's a very well-known um, kind of psychologist speaking about um, environmental issues who also doesn't believe that what we're doing on climate change is, is, is going to be enough because, you know, we don't know within one or two percent whether what we're doing is right or not. And take one or two percent over 30 or 40 or 50 years, yeah. we could be wildly out. So there's, mm. um, you know, it, it, there's, there's lots of different views and I think we should be open to listening to different views especially when they come to somebody who's obviously studied and um and looked at it as, as much as uh, Michael Schellenberger has okay interesting I'm looked at that one myself um a little bit technology news Logitech as we well know uh -huh. produced, uh, a lot of peripherals computer peripherals uh, yeah. and not least of which uh keyboards and mice they have started uh, branding or, or uh, labeling their packaging with carbon impact information on the label and, mm. and obviously that label is very targeted towards turning themselves into a more circular um, business where they're using recycled products um, uh, and making their devices designed to be more um, uh, recyclable. 
Mm. Uh, funnily enough, they started uh, with the very first world product of a G Pro wireless gaming mouse. Um, uh, <laughs> it's okay. not, not, not something you or I would use. No. Um, uh, and, and they reckon these things tend to have around about a two-year lifespan, mainly because gamers wear them out. Um, okay. And everyone wants the latest thing to make their gaming I think experience. my mouse is 10 years old, but anyway. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine having a mouse that change over that much. Um, and it, although it, it, it tells you where all the carbon comes from, 73%, for example, is from uh, sourcing and manufacturer. Surprise, surprise. And they mm. tell you where they're getting that from. 11% from consumer use, 6% from end of life. And 6% from transportation, 4% from other, in quotes, um, oh. which means it's well defined. So, we, uh, OK, they're telling you where the carbon's from. Um, they aren't necessarily telling you how they, whether it's a, a good use of carbon it's kind of good i like yeah. the idea of the labeling it's kind it's, of bad because i don't know if we should be producing gaming we, we, we're starting to get a trickle of these labeling stories and hopefully it's the thin end of an extremely large wedge yeah um, something else we're starting to see more is uh climate commitments and we've not mentioned twitter i don't think before on the show but uh, twitter announced uh on thursday in a tweet as you might expect so it wasn't a very long announcement um uh, but it's pledged to join the science-based targets initiative uh, more on which later and um so they've adopted a clear pathway for reducing their uh, greenhouse gas emissions in line with paris agreements and um uh, really it's not um they haven't announced big numbers but i think the fact that they have adopted science-based targets is i think in some ways better than saying we're going to be net zero by 2050 or 2025 or whatever so i think you know it's a it's good to see more companies going down the science-based targets route yes that is uh that is good um moving to something which i'm sure is going to be very close to your heart which is i, I know you love having a bath with candles all around it and <laughs> I don't, have you been in my bathroom <laughs> No, I've been in my bathroom to see my bathing emissions. <laughs> yeah, the, the <laughs> I don't want to know about your bathing emissions. Um, so, a company called Grow Fragrance, yep. <laughs> not poo pooing their story, offers 100% non toxic plant based candles and air fresheners. So, interesting. Somebody uh, has noted that, of course, a lot of these fragrance projects to get them to smell the way they are are produced, are doing that using chemicals and not the natural stuff and so when you are burning a candle you might very well be releasing toxic um fragrances burning toxins and putting it into the atmosphere mm. um not good for you or the planet um so uh, this company out of durham and uh, that's not the durham in uk that's the durham in north carolina yeah. um they they've come up with a whole stack of plant-based toxin-free uh, fragrances and they've also got a little squirty thing you can spray on your cushions as well i, I guess for me this this story was was about is this creating a product that uh, so candles people need candles there are places in the world you don't have electricity you need a candle to light stuff up if we have a power cut you need a candle but creating a um air freshener yeah is that a product we need in the world? Is that the route to sustainability by creating something in the world that may not be needed? And I guess that was the question. Uh, you see lots yeah. of new products, lots of inventions, but if it's something we don't need in the world, is 
as sustainable as it might be yeah is that doing good or is that adding to the problem i i i agree completely i mean we i look at many of the products we we mention and Mm. a lot of them are first world yeah first world problems that we're trying to solve and and actually they're a bigger problem i don't know if i like the phrase but uh that but maybe there are there are bigger is, problems that need resolving yeah, than just, has my concrete candle refillable just, as well as it is just, just that worth having just don't buy yeah do you do you need an air freshener or can you put a peg on your nose <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um don't go and put pegs on your nose listeners but you know it's just a thinking out loud um uh, uh world's largest liquid air storage project now and this is happening in Manchester in the UK and uh, essentially um, it's using uh, frozen liquefied air to uh, store energy and this is going to then be used as uh, the base of um, one of uh, Europe's largest battery storage systems so it's a a new technology because um, and it's a good a uh, story of this because it's not saying that we're going to mine uh, elements from the ground. So it's it's moving away from, you know, taking lithium and cobalt and whatever else it is out of the ground and saying we're going to uh, we're going to use liquefied air as our medium for uh, battery storage. So um, yeah, so I was encouraged to see that people are trying to do other things. Yeah, um, and and I like the name the cryo battery. Ooh. Right, very high tech, doesn't it? It does. It also a little bit worrying as to where that could take us. But anyway, yeah. um, uh, another interesting one. Do you do you remember Omo, Omo, the cleaning product in I the UK? I don't know. Uh, so you probably won't know what it meant to have a packet of Omo in the in your window in the front of your house. No. Well. The, the 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 story was that back in back in the day uh, if you had if a if a, a lady put a, uh, a woman perhaps put a uh, put a bo- bo- box of omo on their windowsill it meant to the the milkman or one of her other lovers that the old man is out okay um, so <laughs> omo <laughs> That's Old a new man. one on me. See, you, you you learn so many things on the Green Elephant Show, and, <laughs> yeah. and I've been educated. So the the good news is Omo has been released again. Um, okay, but in China, um, so right. at the moment it's been released by um, as a new type of laundry capsule. Um, one of the things that most of our laundry detergents have in them is surfix surfactants i knew i said that wrong surfactants which is a key ingredient to wash um wash dirt away with the foam and it's usually many of them derived from petroleum Mm. um but they unilever have now released one which is created from um uh, carbon emissions um instead of using uh petroleum as their surfactant um, yeah, so that that's been released in China, obviously to test the the market out um, uh, as Omo. So we can look yeah. forward to seeing Omo uh, in our windows once again. <laughs> in, in your window, maybe. Um, <laughs> so uh, hydrogen-powered ships now, and the Energy Observer vessel, which is a hydrogen-powered floating laboratory. It's it's a huge 
twin-masted ship, if you like, um, yeah. is on the world, round the world trip, and it's uh, the first round the world hydrogen-powered vessel, and the it's looking to see if hydrogen-powered shipping is achievable, and it's um, it's amazing technology because you know yeah. producing burning hydrogen doesn't emit any greenhouse gases, and it's taking seawater, extracting the hydrogen and using that to power the ship. So imagine that, there's no fuel needed for any shipping around the world. It just takes it out the seawater. And that would make the global, amazing story. Big, big, big boost that would be. Right. And yeah. that's the end of the news for this week. So I'm really pleased to welcome onto the show today, Rebecca Heaps from Tenshare. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, hello. Lovely to meet you. Uh, and you. And, um, I, I've spoken to Rebecca on Clubhouse a couple of times and I was aware of a service that she ran and, um, and she asked if she could come on the show and tell us all about TentShare. So, uh, Rebecca, what is TentShare? Yeah, thank you so much for having me on, Mike. Absolute You're welcome. Pleasure to be here. Um, so TentShare is a people-to-people -people tent lending platform, which really means um, if you own a tent, you can make it an asset of your own um, and rent it out and make some money from it. So if you pop it on the TentShare website, um, we TentShare will market it for you. And then someone local to you, if they want to go camping, they can rent it from you. Um, it all started because I've started to do that. I started to do that with my beautiful canvas bell tent a few years ago, Okay. Um, just locally. And and yeah. when, when somebody rents a tent, do, do, does it have to have somewhere to go or can you just do you rent it and then put it where you want or how does that work? Well, exactly. It, it is actually it's just like Airbnb. Um, okay. I like to call it a fresh Airbnb. So, okay. yeah. So um, you can do as much or, or as little with your asset as you like, with your tent as you like. So yeah. you put it on the Tentshare website. You can decide if you want to pitch it for someone, if you want to just um, get someone to pick it up. And use it for the weekend okay. i usually go i like to with my bell tent i like to go and pitch it up in people's gardens and um, i just had a little girl at the weekend who was having her fifth birthday and okay. so her mum hired it pitched it up in the the garden i pitched it up in the garden for them they had a lovely weekend playing in there and having a sleepover and Great. then i came and collected it the next day so you can do that or other people have pre-pitched tents already on site we've got lovely uh, north end glamping uh what are they called yeah north end farm glamping site okay she's just uh started a little pop-up in bedfordshire um so you can go and go along there and she has everything six bell tents set up all with beautiful mattresses yeah yeah bedding the whole works there so it's so a range can, of things you can do with tents then so it's not about going to a tent that's already set up although that might be what you could do you could go and pick one up and use it where you want or somebody could come put it put it in your garden if that was another option that you wanted exactly that exactly okay. brilliant and i guess there's different different price points depending on what you want to do with your tent yep so you can you can put, put whatever price you want on your tent um so there's quite a few on there now and you can have a look at what uh different price points there are so if you've got a really fancy five meter canvas bell tent then you might want to ask a bit more than if you've got a you know a teeny tiny pop-up 
that mm. someone might just want or um you know not for a long camping trip or or if you've got an absolutely amazing feather light <laughs> wild camping uh tent and equipment that you know you can that you've carefully curated then you yeah. might want to put that on um and you might command a nice um some for that if 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 you wanted to rent it out on the tent show with so, so it's both for people who are looking to stay in a tent or rent a tent but it's also for people that have a tent that they'd like to rent out exactly um, that so tent share serves two two customers basically mm. so if you if you own a tent you can put it on the website and make some money but if you'd like to go camping but don't own a tent um then you can go onto the website and choose a tent for your camping trip Great. And so what, what was it that, that, you know, inspired you to start this, this business and this service up? What was it? Was there anything that triggered you and you thought, I've got to start a tent sharing service? <laughs> I know, it's a funny one, isn't it? <laughs> well, basically, I absolutely love camping. I camp all the time. And do you know what I thought? I thought that bell tent that I've got just doesn't really get the use that much. I use mm. it, you know, a few times a year. Um, and then it's sitting in my garage and I thought it would be really nice to be able to share it with other people plus make a bit of money um, and then I thought oh you know it was doing pretty well I thought oh I'd like to put it on a a, a website that's like Airbnb but for tents mm. so I started to look for one and I there wasn't one so I was moaning about this to a friend and they said well why don't you do one then yeah. so uh, now I live breathe eat um <laughs> sleep <laughs> tense <laughs> and, and as a su sustainability show which is what this podcast is why why should people who are interested in you know planetary issues and social issues and so on be interested in in tent sharing what is it that you know that, that well it should appeal to them it's a manifold it's manifold so there's there's quite a few different aspects to this sustainability wise um but the first one is that obviously you're not going if you rent a tent you're not going to the shops to buy a brand new tent yeah. um that's that's the basic one so if you want to help out tent share and save the planet one tent at a time then um get your tent onto the uh tent share website and if you're thinking of going camping get onto the tent share website and um start to rent a tent yeah. it, the nice thing is also that you can um choose a tent that's absolutely fit for your purpose so if you're going on a big family holiday mm. you might want a massive tent um but if you're just going in someone's back garden you might want a really beautiful bell tent so yeah, yeah. I, I guess it all fits into the kind of the, the circular recyclable reusable economy you're not going out buying a brand new tent using it once and then putting it in the garage exactly you know, these, that these tents they're already there and they're getting used multiple times by multiple different people so you know the, the the most sustainable option is the option you've already got isn't it so you you know you're not getting something new you're not you know creating more co2 or, or pollution or whatever um the thing that always interests me about tents is the pictures at the end of glastonbury when you see hundreds of tents just kind of mm -hmm. scattered around the field just kind yes. of left and what, what, what's your view on that oh i hate it i hate it i mean it's estimated that something like two hundred and fifty thousand tents go into landfill per wow. year yeah wow. and each tent I mean, most tents are nylon, so mostly made up of plastic. Mm. Um, and that's the equivalent of something like 8,750 8, plastic straws. 
so if you think about that all going into landfill it's it's appalling yes, and that's, it's just that's awful. a huge number quarter of a million tents a year and is that just the uk yes yeah wow that's... so worldwide it's going to be an eye-watering number of tents that are just just wasted yeah yeah and that's not even including all the tents that are sitting in people's garages you mm. know mm. oftentimes people buy seven tents before they reach their perfect tent yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And so i <laughs> um, guess the message for listeners is if you want a more sustainable option and you're looking at staying in the uk this year and if you're looking at holidaying if you haven't booked it already you might have missed out on all the hotel places but you could tent share so um, definitely so, so so go and look at tent share. What, what what's the what's the where, where should people go if they want to find out about tent sharing is it the the website Yep, so you can um, find us on the website, which is tentshare.co.uk. Um, and also we've got an Instagram page, which is tentshare.co.uk and Facebook. Great. And, and we'll link all that, put those up in the show notes so people can go and go and find those pages. But it sounds like a great option for, for uh, summer this year in the UK and, um, and obviously a more sustainable option into the future. Um, now, I know, Rebecca, you've got something else coming up that's, that's rather <laughs> exciting. Why don't you tell us about, uh, and I, I love the name, Tentival. <laughs> coming up. I can tell you all about Tentival till, till I'm blue in the face. I'm so excited we're, about we're, it. We don't do it quite that long. <laughs> yeah, all right, then. Um, so Tentival 2021 was yep. uh, is a virtual family-friendly camping festival. Um, it was born out of lockdown last year. I uh, 10 days after the first lockdown was announced, I decided to uh, curate and host Tentable. 2020 okay. so um yeah so i got together all the people i know the musicians and people a talented people i know and we did a virtual show um on um run on zoom and facebook and what i urged people to do was to camp in their dens pit, uh, camp in their gardens pitch their tents uh, make a den create a place in their homes and make a fabulous little camp and then join us online for the whole day and we had singing and dancing and competitions and djs and comedy and workshops the lovely kirsty from little Cre recreations she came along and taught us how to make festival decorations from um tents that are no longer in use so okay. to repurpose those mm. keep them out of landfill she Brilliant. she does that as a, a business and it's it's an amazing business actually yeah, little yeah. recreations um, and uh, we had people dressing up competitions. We had best den competitions. And everybody last year had such a lovely time that I thought, do you know what? I'm just going to have to do it this year and I'm going to do it bigger and better. Brilliant. So a real fun day for the family. And, and, and this is a great one for kids. Spend the day in a tent. I mean, I don't think kids need an excuse to spend the day in a tent. It's, um, it's good fun for, the, for them. Absolutely. And, and for the more grown up among us uh, who maybe aren't going to make, be making fancy dress out of old tents. Is there something for us? <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I think everybody would enjoy being in a tent, actually, Mike. But uh, yes, if you didn't want to build a tent, and 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 I can't really imagine someone who wouldn't want to. But if you didn't, there's lots of music coming on, live music. There's bands. There's some great DJs. We've got all sorts of. Um, we're trying to think about diversity and inclusivity. So I'm getting a wide range, an eclectic mix of music and dance and, and lots of different things going on. Um, so that everyone can have a little taster of something mm. 
unusual or different, something they wouldn't ordinarily come across in their back garden. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's Brilliant. the premise. Well, that, yeah. and, and when is when is Tentival? Tentival is on June the twelfth. Okay. This year. It runs from midday until 10 p.m. That's where the live um, stuff is going on, but it probably will be flanked by some pre-recorded stuff uh, that people are sending us. So um, it will last longer than that um, and hopefully way into the night for the adults. So basically, we'll keep your kids entertained while you can enjoy the music. How about that? Oh, that sounds absolutely <laughs> perfect. If somebody could keep my kids entertained, I'd be, I'd be delighted. <laughs> um, yeah. And again, is there a separate website? Is it the same? Go to TentShare and... Yeah, go to TentShare and you will find a... You will get a pop-up so you can go straight in and um, find out a bit more about it and purchase a ticket. I'm trying to make it accessible for everyone. So mm. the tickets are suggested price £25, but pay as you can um, the minimum price is £3.50 and okay. for every email address registered we have teamed up with tree sisters and we're going to be planting a tree um, so, so, yeah. so guys listeners register anyway because you know you're doing you'll be doing a bit of good just by registering so exactly I think we can all buy into that those small actions that make a difference um, amazing yeah absolutely Mike um, Rebecca that's been Fascinating. A whistle stop, stop tour of uh, tent sharing and tentival. And maybe we'll catch up towards the back end of the year after the summer rush has been and after tentival has been yeah. and, and find out how things are going and maybe what your 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 plans are for the future and, and, and get into it in a bit more detail. But um, that uh, would be for fun. now, it's uh, it's been a pleasure. And uh, yeah, everybody go and, go and check out uh, Tent Share. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Mike. Thank you very much. Yeah, just amazed at the quarter of a million tents uh thrown yeah. away in the uk Actually, every year with all that plastic utterly bonkers i mean as uh, glastonbury when you see the cleanup at glastonbury yeah. people just take a tent and then don't pick it up and walk away they just leave yeah. rubbish around and it's, yeah. bon it's ridiculous yeah. i guess the other thing that um that rebecca we we didn't uh, touch on in the interview was that the 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 the, the health and well-being benefits of uh, she said she'd had lots of people who had um, joined Tentable or had spent a day in their tent. And because they weren't sat in their house, they were sat in a tent. It had just made them feel so much happier that they were, <laughs> they felt like they were living somewhere different. So it was, um, even uh, though it was yeah. in their garden, but even though it was in their garden. So, um, yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah, it's a great idea. That one. <laughs> right now it's time for fun with today's games it's fact or fake and play your carbon right so uh let's get underway with fact or fake now russell um we touched briefly um on twitter and their adoption of uh, science-based targets so um i'm gonna ask you a, a few science-based targets fact or fake so hopefully you're, oh, you're, see. you're, you're up on those so first up we have uh, the process to get validated for science-based targets costs $1,950 US dollars. Is that a fact or is it a fake? Well, on the basis that when you tend to do fakes, you round them up. Oh, no, 50 is kind of rounded. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. Um, so thanks for that. Um, I'm going to say that is a fake. It is a fake, and unfortunately, it's four thousand nine hundred and fifty dollars. 
Okay. That's an expensive process. Is is that, I mean, is it a long, arduous process? Or presumably it must be for that kind of money. It takes uh, many months. Um, yeah. uh, moving, and I, I think there are they are looking at some small business pricing, but um, yeah, okay. that's the standard pricing, so not cheap. No. Um, okay, next. Of the millions of companies in the world, just 6,811 have set themselves science-based targets. 6,811. 611. Of the millions of companies in the world, just that, just 6,811 oh. set themselves science-based targets. Well, yeah, yeah, on the basis that we know the B Corp and people actually addressing, uh, there's only 100,000, really, if you look at it that way, there's only 100,000 companies that have gone through these. Tests. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm inclined to say, and with that price tag on it, I'd have to say fact. That one's a fake. Ooh. It's actually 681. <gasps> oh my goodness it's me. Only 681 who have adopted this widely communicated and widely promoted science-based targets um, initiative. Brilliant. I know. Um, and finally, for fact or fake this week, one each at the moment. Yeah. Um, there are in fact no such things as science-based targets. And companies have to make their own up. <laughs> so what you're saying is you can certify against a standard, but that standard is non-existent. Yeah. So okay. there's no such thing. And companies have to make your own up. Is that a fact or a fake? Well, you know, <clears throat> I suppose the concept is, is what is science? Um, and uh, well, uh, there, there's, there's a philosophical deep questions uh, on fact or fake this week. I only Ooh. wanted to know whether it was a fact or a fake. <laughs> I know, but uh, I, I like to look at the deeper okay. subject behind it to reason my well through. So I'm going to say that's a fact. It is actually a fact. Yeah. Um, there are no such things. So when you when a company goes through science based targets, there are some there are some guides, but it has to make up its own targets. Um, uh, and there has to be some element of science in it, but there are no set targets that, that co companies have to meet. So essentially, they make up their own targets. So it's a uh, an interesting approach. And I think that combined with the cost of it, uh, you can kind of understand why not many people have been through it. But um, yeah. Yeah, okay. So a win for Russell, in fact, or fake this of week. Of course. And now it's uh, play your carbon rights. Uh, and yes, and over to me. Yes. I, I should introduce it really. And yeah. now really. it's time for play your carbon rights. Thank you, Russell. <laughs> Seeing I'm, I'm the host for this particular delight. And this week, Mike, I have uh, three additional. Uh, we had five last week. I've yep. whittled it down to three. And we're kicking off with the driving a mile in a mid sized electric car that we ended the show oh, with Olivia. last time. Um, now, I'm not going to tell you what the uh, grams I expect you to remember. Okay. <laughs> and so the next one is one hour of browsing the internet on a laptop. Is that higher or lower than driving a mile in a medium? Oh, I think that's higher. I think an hour of browsing is quite a lot. It's lower. Is it? Yes. Mm. Um, the... I'll tell you the car. Remind you, the car was 180 um, grams CO2, and okay. an hour on a laptop would be about 
98.4. Okay. Obviously, there's a lot of factors in that on making it an average, but that's the average. Yeah. Okay. Okay, then. Um, probably an easy one now. A 10-inch pizza, mighty vegan, no cheese, <laughs> collected on foot from a takeaway. Is that higher or lower than an hour of browsing the internet on a laptop? 90 grams. Um, 10-inch pizza, mighty vegan. Lower, I'm going to go. Ooh, really? That's uh, wrong. Uh, it's the it is for cooking pizzas and sauce. Uh, Did it have asparagus on it, this pizza? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a straight okay with no cheese right. yeah, basically vegan whatever it okay. was so uh you know this is 1130 over the 98.4 hour wow so, um it yeah it's, even then it's the um, and you'll have the fun in future times of, of working out what the delivery costs. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, so I'm looking forward. Wow, to that's a huge. That's for a, for a single pizza. That's a lot, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, over a kilo of CO2 per mm. pizza. So think what you're eating, people. Um, so also, so moving away from so comparing vegan with uh, definitely non-vegan. Okay. A box of six large chicken eggs is that higher? or lower than our 10-inch Mighty Vegan Pizza. And so I'm walking to my takeaway. Am I, am I walking to my farm shop or am I walking to the supermarket? Or where am I walking <laughs> this, to to get my eggs? This doesn't, this, doesn't, uh, this doesn't consider the fact that eggs are always taken away. So uh, I guess it's considering the fact that chickens need to be fed and... and it's it's got to be less than... It's got to be less than a 1,000 grams. Yes, I'm saying lower. Right, so you'd be wrong again. <laughs> what have these chickens been doing? Are they carnivorous no. chickens? And and this this was a shocker to me actually. Um, okay. because I'm an egg eater, mm. uh, not a vegan. I do like eggs, um, but two kilos for six eggs. Wow. Two kilos of CO two. What's the main eggs. driver in the CO two behind eggs? Well, chickens are. Uh, are emitters um and the most of it's down to their feed and uh, their housing and the heating and keeping them warm uh, so yeah it's a it's a mm -hmm. i was quite surprised um how yeah i'm surprised as well was. so well, you you will be end starting next week with our six large chicken with chickens yeah and uh, i think that counts as um two more defeats for me i'm getting used to it now um, yeah, you must be weary. Now. If anybody wants to come on the show and challenge Russell to a game of fact or fake or oh, yeah. play your carbon right, then drop us a note, studio at Green Elephant Dot Show. We'd love to have you on. And finally, before we go, Russell, uh, I don't know if you remember last week, but we had a st we talked about the Duke of Edinburgh, and we talked about um, you know some of the comments that he'd made, and yeah. and and clearly we have a celebrity listener to the Green Elephant Show because um, I just want you to have a listen to this from the, uh, the Climate Summit from this week. It's vital for all of us uh, to show that this is not all about uh, some expensive, uh, politically correct uh, green act of, uh, of, uh, of, of, of bunny-hugging, uh, or, or, or however you want to put it, and nothing wrong with bunny-hugging, but you, you, you know what I'm driving at. Uh, friends and colleagues. 
So there we have it. We talked about bunny hugging on the Green Elephant Show last Wednesday. And I think Boris obviously listened to that and Clearly. went straight into the summit and, and, and just couldn't get it out of his mind and just, you know, just had to say it to, to, to the world leaders. That's brilliant, Mike. I mean, I, I, yeah. I love the way you've put that together. And yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take that as a win that we've got one of the world's political leaders listening to our show regularly. So brilliant. I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah. Great. Uh, I didn't realise we had such reach and influence. Perhaps he'll change some of his policies on the back of what we said this week. But um, uh, so. who knows? <laughs> anyway, um, if you've enjoyed the show, uh, then go and hug a bunny. Uh, but also, please go and visit the show page at greenelephant.show. Uh, there you can find links to all the stories we've discussed, download additional information and find links to all the usual podcast providers. Uh, please do go and visit and remember to click five stars in your podcast reviewers. That will undoubtedly make you feel good and help us keep you entertained. So hopefully we'll see you at greenelephant.show or on social at Green Elephant. But until next time, thanks for listening and we hope you have a sustainable week.